1: Hey, guys. Whoa.
2: (laughs)
3: Looks like there's someone interfering or meddling with (laughs) my microphone. (laughs) Thank you guys for tuning in. This is the Doctor Who Classics After Buzz After Show. I'm your host, Zach Wilson. Joining me on tonight's panel, to my left, Katie Collin.
4: Hi, all my buddies. Across
3: from her, Megan Salinas. Hey, guys. And next to her, Tari Miller. Hey, hey. Um, And we are talking the time meddler, a big episode of Doctor Who, a big storyline, dropping some big firsts. I'm really excited about this one. Uh, it's it's a classic. I think it's a classic episode for a reason. Um, for well, we just say it off the top. We meet. We don't say it so in so many words, but we meet another Time Lord. Yeah,
4: they don't use the the word Gallifrey, or and they don't even. I don't know that either of those words
3: have been uttered yet on Doctor Who.
4: They've not. But... But they make it very clear that they're from the same place. Yes. Wherever that may be. And he
2: also has a TARDIS, and I would say those don't grow on trees, but they might in Gallifrey. I'm (laughs) not sure on that point. I'm sure the commenters will let me know.
0: (laughs) Oh, Tardis tree!
2: I think they Tardis did. someone t- <laughs> just shake it till the Tardises fall down. <laughs> I well, actually I mean think
3: they're... they did establish that Tardises are grown in a sense; they're oh, not yeah. really built.
4: Yeah, they which have seeds. Makes sense because yeah. they're kind of sentient. You yeah, know yeah. They, they definitely have some level of consciousness. They're alive.
3: Yeah. They're very much alive. Um, it's the Tardises, as we known from doc, from modern Who. This is not at all in the time, <laughs> 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 um, but we know that they are conscious beings that are completely separate from the the way that our minds function, that yeah. Time Lords or humans live, but they are still life. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, absolutely. But let's talk about the Time Meddler. Is,
4: is it me- does he sound like a Batman villain. Yeah. yeah. Like right that, up the, there with Calendar Man, the
3: Meddling Monk. <laughs>
2: Calendar Man and the Time Meddler.
3: Um he is he is a good villain though because he's not like just Evil maniac, maniac <laughs> Maniacal. Maniacal.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank you for that. But nice.
3: that's not who this is um, at all. He's just—he's got his own like wants and desires, but Sweet. not dissimilar from like the Doctor as he is portrayed over the years. Like he's not that different.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: He thinks he can make it better. <laughs> he thinks his fanfic of history uh, <laughs> will will enhance the canon material. <laughs> So that place there you go yeah
3: he considered it like his responsibility to go back and alter history to rewrite it either to his liking or just to make it better i mean what's what do you guys think is his motivation here
2: it sounded like, when he was explaining it, he wanted to set the human race ahead. He wanted to circumvent all the nasty little drawbacks that we've had in history and instead set us on the path to, I don't know, greatness, technology, something. It
3: sounds like he wants to play God, essentially, oh, yeah. more than anything else. Like, that's 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 playing God.
4: I think Time Lords need a better hobby. Because then you get people <laughs> like this guy who who observe the human race and go, I can make it better.
0: Well, I mean, in its, in its idea, it's a noble concept to be like, I, I mean, though it kinda harkens back to the old Aztec thing where it was like, I know what's best for these people, so I'm going to, you know. forward my own ambitions upon them. But, like, in its in its essence, it's kind of a noble concept to be like, hey, you know, I want to help these people uh, avoid as much conflict as I can and steer them on the right
1: path.
4: Yeah, especially with with time travelers and people who are accustomed to time traveling. It's like, I have a macro view of the timeline. You know, I know how things are going to pan out. I can make it better. I can fix things and you know when when you start thinking like that you start thinking it's okay to say kill groups of people if it's for the greater good and that's where the danger lies mm-hmm. the greater good
2: can't <laughs> <laughs> um, disappoint me you didn't do that with me right? <laughs>
4: um, but
3: he but it absolutely is like his mantra i guess is just going back and being the better guy but it's harder to it's not as apparent as like the the self sacra the- sacrificing people as much he just like wants to get your head of technology I Stonehenge would never have, uh, <laughs> which like you just sort of, I saw somebody uh, commenting on an article about this episode online mentioning the Pandorica being under so did he know about the Pandorica since mm. he helped put Stonehenge there and just don't that would
4: be kind of funny don't dwell on
3: that that is not something you want to, that's not a road you want to start traveling down
4: your
2: going to you, start exploding you if you, you ask never, too many questions you will never get off that road yeah. We will be there forever. I mean, <laughs>
3: it's one of those things, like, uh, f- after 50 years, there's only so much fun history that you can play with before a couple little things. And this one is, I think, one that you could ignore a little bit. Yeah. Like, just, eh, maybe there's an explanation, but we don't need to worry about it. Well, I mean, about.
0: and it could very well be he helped them build it, he left, and then all the other people came in and did their thing. Yeah. yeah so mm.
2: Can we talk about how he disguised himself as a man of God? That someone who has that position, that authority, the fact that he had that learning, putting himself in this particular society automatically gives him authority. I am a man of the Christian God, do what I say.
3: It's it's the perfect cover for him. I think that he happens upon the monastery, an abandoned monastery, which is yeah. really the, lo, the logistical reason that he set up shop there, because here's a place where I can hole up. Disguise my TARDIS like perfectly, where nobody's gonna go looking for it.
2: But symbolism, yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah. I like the symbolism.
3: It's well designed in the in the writing because it's not it's it's subtle enough that you don't really focus on it, but it is absolutely there that he is taking a position of power over the human race and this village. Yes. Um, what I what I thought was very interesting about. Him being there is, is the the monk versus the doctor, um, because the big thing the doctor like yells at him basically like you're you're not that's not what you're supposed to do you don't rewrite history that's not what we do. Um, where's the line there? I guess for the doctor like that's always that's something that the doctor always straddles is like changing history versus letting it go and we were not yet at the era of fixed points and all that, but. Is the what is the difference when he stops a, a Dalek invasion of Earth, which clearly had a major effect on history, versus stopping uh, a Viking incursion or letting it go?
4: Well, it, maybe with the Daleks, because he had had a personal encounter with them, he did feel more of an obligation to be involved in that, right? That's I, I can definitely see him justifying it, but for the most part, the Doctor hasn't doesn't go around helping people a lot like he does kind of in modern Who. Because in modern Who, it's like he goes around and helps people all the time. Here, we only see him doing that a little bit, like like when the Daleks invade Earth. But
3: because so, up to yeah. now, he's very much uh, like this. The classic Who, he's very much just. Get dropping into places because he's not traveling on purpose. So he's mm-hmm. dropping into places and mo- more getting stuck in circumstances. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I feel
4: at some point though there's a shift and he he start you know stops kind of bumbling around and starts being more proactive with where he goes and why he goes to those places. That's the it, point mm-hmm. where he learns to fly a ship. <laughs> yeah, I think the line we're talking
2: about is actually. More informed by the writers and by the time period. Because if you look at the 1960s, which is our baseline, which is what the viewers would understand, everything before that is set in stone. We can't change anything that would change what the 1960s that the audience knows is. But everything in the future, well, we can do whatever we want with that because that's not something the audience is familiar with, that's not something they've been taught they will more readily accept the Doctor veering history off course for a Dalek invasion of Earth than they will him veering history off course with Richard III and the Vikings. Because we learn about the Vikings, and we know them, and they're set. But Daleks, pff, who knows?
3: But the Doctor, even in this older version, absolutely enjoys like when he has a profound effect on history. I think, like, because he does. He does, like, it's by accident most of the time. Yes. Like, he's like, oh, I gotta save Susan. We're gonna defeat these people. And, like, ends up changing the course of history by doing so. But it's to save his granddaughter or his friends. So it's more forgivable because it's not, he's not going there with that purpose. But he absolutely is changing history. And I think he likes it when it turns out, especially more so as we get into, like, the tenant years and stuff and (laughs) the Matt Smith years. Like, he enjoys when it's like, Oh, that was me. I knew about that event, but had no idea I was responsible. <laughs> um, but the monk is more outward with it. I don't know. Do you guys think that one is more morally good or bad?
0: Good. Yeah. Um, oh well, I mean, I would say that uh, the in this case the doctor has the high road because he knows that all these all of these things have to happen, and he doesn't he doesn't interfere because he doesn't have. A sense of, or I guess he more appreciates the beauty in, in watching things unfold, whereas um, the, the monk is kind of doing things, one, by his own uh, accord, but also kind of for his own amusement. It's kind of like, uh, like for example, when he, uh, in his journal, how he talked about putting money into a bank just to watch the, uh, the interest collect. It, that has no effect on the future in any way, shape, or form. It's just more like I can do this, so I can, or so I
1: will.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's the it, it could have an effect on the future. Like it's one of those things. Like you never know when stepping on a butterfly, uh, like the butter, It's the butterfly effect when a, a butterfly in
2: flapping its wings in China can away. create a hurricane in the United yeah. States. Yeah.
3: Um, but I like the more. I like the idea of uh, the of time as a lake. Where you throw a stone in and it creates a ripple effect, but as you get further away from where the stone fell, the it affects it less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So time itself, correct, like fixes and smooths out because yeah. you're only affecting a little piece of it. Well, but but like it's this is a major event. He's effect. He's changing the course of a war and who rules a country.
2: Well, we don't know anything about this Time Lord, aside from the fact that he's doing this, and at this point in time, it's presented as bad. And I'm going to pull in some new who here. Waters of Mars. Waters of Mars has the Doctor going, you know what, I know it's history, I know it's a fixed point, screw it, I'm going to change it, I'm going to do this, because I need to save someone, because he just, he cannot let it go. And history writes itself because the woman that he saved refused to go along with it for the most part. But how do we know that this Time Lord isn't at the same point in his life that the Doctor was at for Waters of Mars? How do we know that he hasn't seen so much terrible stuff and been completely unable to do anything that he finally went, you know what, screw it, I'm going to go back. I'm going to make everything better, and then everything will be good. Let's go.
4: Yeah, it it raises a lot of questions as to, you know, this guy and his background and what kind of adventures he's been on, because he's clearly done a lot of things. He's keeping a journal about it, and you know, about the people he's helping, quote-unquote, and everything like that. So it does raise a lot of questions. I want that story. (laughs) That would be interesting. I'm intrigued. I want that story.
3: I mean, this is a guy who... (laughs) Has his plans written down on my (laughs) hands out of scroll. Like, oh my gosh. Laugh maniacally
4: wasn't like inserted in there. And laugh maniacally chick. But he doesn't
2: think he's evil. No. So laugh maniacally. I mean he's he's not Megatron. He's just trying to help.
3: (laughs) He's definitely not evil, but I think it's clear like and i'm not sure how much of the time lords and galfrein setup is known to the writers at this point but that these two people are are not if we if we st- assume that at least some of it is established the, neither one of them is time lord like a and approved. Yeah. yeah, like the uh, the the Academy of uh, what do I say? Am I sure? The, <laughs> he's he's the, wearing
2: the
4: seal of the High Council. Over here. The
3: High Council of Gallifrey does not approve either one of these. Uh, <laughs> and he's less people.
4: overt than the Master because he doesn't have an evil beard.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <Literally>.
2: <laughs> but it's it's less you know true neutral. It's like blah. Wow, I'm mixing up my alignments. It's less neutral evil than it is chaotic neutral. He knows he's doing the wrong thing according to the rules, but he thinks he's doing the right thing for the people of Earth. So mm. he knows he's breaking the rules, but eh, I'm gonna do it anyway.
3: He has a he has a, a path. He's not just like doing random bad stuff by. Any
2: and days. he doesn't think he's evil. What do you think the you end goal
4: be. ultimately would be for all these changes that he's making to humanity? What you know, and you know the path of human history. Where do you think he would ultimately want us to end up?
3: I, as as a new set of Gallifreyans, um, this goes Maybe. back to yeah. some crazy Maybe. wider theory that has just been I've I've never let drop through all of my time watching Doctor <laughs> Who that like at some point it's going to be revealed that Gallifreyans are humans
1: with
4: uh, an extra set of heart with, with an extra heart evo- <laughs> evolved evolved. <laughs>
3: Billions of years in the future, like at the end of the the universe, they come back through the time vortex and wind up. It I have no. It, it's like something that like little pieces of sort of make sense, but mm-hmm. the more I go into like especially classic who and all this stuff, it feels like it make like it connects. Like the reason that the Doctor always cares about Earth, the reason that it's that Earth is so important, and seems to line up. This is the other thing: is it seems to line up with. Gallifreyan like somebody put it uh, Gallifreyan meantime <laughs> is like running at the same pa- like pace as Earth because it, it may have just been a throwaway line that like don't even worry about a modern police box yours yeah. looks like a modern police box not a 60s 1960s Earth police box a modern police box implying that that is also even though he's 50 years ahead of the Doctor because he has a Mark IV I can't remember what, what Mark yeah, the, Mark IV the, yeah, he well the the time meddler the the monks is I can't remember what Mark the doctor's like, wow. our TARDIS is. Uh, I know it's said at some point. Um, yell at me on Twitter. Don't, <laughs> don't,
2: um, don't give Moffat any ideas. <laughs>
3: oh no, it's definitely it's, it's definitely been established. I just don't remember offhand. Um, no,
2: I mean with the Gallifreyans being humans in the future, just just don't get. I adore the theory. Don't give Moffat any ideas. <laughs> <laughs> don't do well, it.
3: I think it. I think it works. I, <laughs> what I what I it's heard. The internet. <laughs> what I heard originally was that the doctor was supposed in the original script was a, a human from the future, and really? that was their. It was never. It was originally not an alien, but they just I think wanted him to be. It, it was more traveler. exciting to yeah. be an alien, be yeah. be more yeah. foreign, because it opened up more possibilities story wise. Um, th- we're off on a crazy other <laughs> tangent. We are. <laughs> I'm
2: enjoying. this um,
3: Which I, I, you any anyone who's listened to me on any podcast knows that's my favorite thing to
0: do. But we're talking about classic who, so I it feels like theories. Yeah, we're so. yeah. yeah. talking um, about meddling with time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, bum bum bottom, ba, but
0: so.
3: The time, like the, the Gallifreyan law, I guess, is to observe history. Like, that's what time travel's for, not to interfere. And both of these people are rebels.
4: I was going to say, are there any Gallifreyans that actually follow that rule? Because I think one we, every Gallifreyan I've ever seen in this series, and granted, I haven't seen a lot of Classic Who, but none of them seem to adhere to that. Because I think the, we're going to hit that more with, like, fourth and fifth. Like, the council and everything like yeah, that. Yeah,
3: when they, like, lock him onto Earth, the in, like in those years where he works for UNIT, um, which is Stay. way further down in the future. <laughs> but um, I think that it's that's why we never see those because. And I have to give credit where credit's due. Uh, read the the, the, double, the two sides of the Rebel Theory on TARDIS Eruditorium, which is a fantastic blog. If you, if you want to like read about any of the uh, episodes that we've skipped over because we're not gonna we don't have time, and don't we have can, access yeah. to all the episodes. Um, that is a fantastic blog for reading uh, up on opinions and uh theories about old episodes. Anyway, um the idea that both of these people are rebels, but it's what kind of rebels they are and we're don't we don't yet know what kind of rebel the doctor is because we don't have the I guess the knowledge base to mm-hmm. form it from.
2: You could say he's a rebel without a cause.
3: Boom! <laughs> was was dead air. That,
2: that was great. Yeah. I love that it took a moment to process. No, I got
3: no. it. No, I, we got it immediately. <laughs> I just don't think anybody had a response. Winner. <laughs> um, <Glitter. laughs> but I, so I guess that so Hartnell is absolutely a rebel. Like he, do, he's doing what he wants. He doesn't. I don't know. I still don't think he wants to go back to Gallifrey. He just like. This is him running with without a goal like which we understand later but this is him yeah. his being maybe this is like him being forced to run
2: This is his okay. midlife crisis
3: <laughs> Mid well, is a I strong
2: mean, word Well I don't know This <laughs> <laughs> Like, this is his first regeneration crisis. He has one crisis per regeneration,
4: and this entire first season is it. <laughs> well, I mean, you you make an excellent point. Is what is he traveling for? Because he's not traveling with his granddaughter anymore. So you know, teaching her about the universe can't be a goal. And then Ian and Barbara are no longer with him. They're home, and so getting them home can't be the goal. What is he going for?
3: I mean, I think that that's a fair question of modern any Doctor Um, there are certain time periods where he has more of a goal oh I need to find Amy Pond. I need to uh, find Rose she's trapped I need to all this stuff very specific but other other than uncovering mysteries as he comes across them there is no there's no overarching goal for the Doctor
0: he's just running Yeah, he feels, like, to me, at least, especially this one, feels like a kid kind of backpacking across Europe.
2: That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah,
0: I mean, because he's, he's like, he'll jump on a train, which is his TARDIS, and then wherever it gets off, he'll explore and see what it is, and then hop back on and see where his next destination is.
3: That's That's a fantastic analogy. That's absolutely what he's doing. He has no discernible reason for this. He just, like... I guess he, cause since he doesn't have to worry about money per se, yeah. he, can just, he can just travel the world and the universe as <laughs> he wants. That is word for
2: word what I was thinking. Dang, Tari. I'm in your head. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, but but you mentioned, like, because he is trying to often save his companions. Let's talk about the the new set of companions that we have Which? going on here.
4: Wow! Um, I we was not expecting it. that. Yeah. We, we didn't <laughs>
3: die! <laughs> we said goodbye wow. to Ian and Barbara last week. We said goodbye to Susan not too long before. Before that, um, both left for different reasons by the Daleks, chased away. Um, but now we have Vicky and Steven and Steven who just wanders out of the like <laughs> back room of the TARDIS.
2: How <laughs> little panda? <laughs> <laughs> what else is living back in the TARDIS? Does one of the rooms back there just have its own little ecosystem where life is evolving because the Doctor <laughs> shut the door and forgot about it? I mean in fairness I that
3: there's story a lot. Of, too. <laughs> there's a lot of rooms but he and they were very distracted um with Ian the whole thing with Ian and Barbara and he's I guess he just they didn't have it locked cuz the whole they were in an insane chase at the time. Um and he just wandered in and passed <laughs> out. I guess when you're worried about other stuff you don't check you can't check every room of the TARDIS. it's got an infinite yeah, amount of rooms. It's right. got a
4: lot of space, yeah.
3: <laughs> Although he's just in the next one over. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> Go very far. It's just like I got my panda. I'm gonna take a nap.
3: But it's also mm-hmm. no, you don't expect someone to be there. Why? I look.
4: thought he was dead. I think <laughs> I thought too. he was dead. Yeah. I
3: would even venture to say that the writers had thought he was dead, <laughs> and then we're like, we really—they clearly like this actor because he's appeared as two characters in the, in the last five episodes. Yeah. It's Peter Purgis uh, who's playing him, and he... I, I, I like this guy. The The comparison that I saw that was just so apt and I was thinking it a little bit, Vicky and Steven are basically, like, a younger, sexier Susan and Ian. Uh, Steven is, like, a more hot-headed, like, version, like, younger version of Ian. Uh, yes, that, that's I yes, I guess. I yes. was like, who did yes. I say? Yeah, um... <laughs> But they're very similar in the, like, I know what's right. I'm going to go out there. Um,
2: you don't have a time machine. You don't have a time machine. Oh, my God, you have a time machine.
1: <laughs> uh.
3: And he's very much like, I know, like, this can't be, No. L- look at the evidence. Like, we know what's up. Um, I mean, do you, you guys know
4: nothing, Jon Snow? <laughs>
3: What do you guys think of the this the dynamic between the two of them?
4: I thought, like all things considered, I think it's phenomenal that he's adjusting to um, to like talking to other people as well <laughs> as he <laughs> is because he was alone for so long. And you know, and his panda. <laughs> just, That's I, true. I, he was held captive by a
2: giant mechanical golf ball, and he can't wrap his head around the fact that there might just be a time machine.
4: <laughs> giant mechanical <laughs> golf ball. Well, to be ball. fair, in his mind he might be like, maybe I never got off that planet. Maybe this is all in my mind and I finally went crazy. Maybe I really am dead this time. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something?
3: I mean, if you're living on a world full of mechanical golf balls that can that aren't very easy to understand, <laughs> uh, I guess any you're just like, anything's possible. Sure, why not? Sorry, Sorry what were you thinking? What?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um... I mean, this is probably my new Who brain, but I was hoping he was another android from the Daleks.
1: <laughs> Ooh.
0: Um, but I'm sure that's not going to be a thing.
3: That is, it is also an interesting thing that the, the, the Daleks have that technology that it sort of gets, I think, I don't think it comes back. It's sort of put on ice for
0: 50 years.
2: <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, I feel like I mean, that's something that could be exceedingly
4: useful. Well,
0: they kind robot? of took more very... towards uh, making people into Daleks as opposed yeah. to... Uh, yeah.
4: um, They're like, why do we need robot doubles? We'll just make you a Dalek. It'll <laughs> be easier. <laughs> well, we
2: have Planet
4: of the Body Snatchers. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, uh.
3: But I want to talk more than just like the companions and their dynamic. The Doctor's reaction to them in this episode. Um, because he's very welcoming to Steven. I think he's still reeling from the loss of his friends. Um, well,
4: and that was something I really liked about the way this episode started is that we clearly see that saying goodbye to these people he's been traveling with for two years has had an impact on him because there have been points in their travels where he's he would, he would have been okay with leaving them behind and now that they're gone we can definitely see that he had gotten attached to them, he cared about them and it's nice that we take a moment to acknowledge that instead of just, oh they're gone, whatever you know, because a lot of shows do that. A lot of shows write people out, and then we act like it never happened. They put them on a bus, and you never see them again. Yeah. yeah. And so it's it was nice to see that moment and to have him talk with Vicky and, you know, again, ask, like, are you going to leave me, too? Like, "I, you're more than welcome to go home. Do I have a home? Everyone's kind of dead.
2: I think I'm going to stay with you.
3: Yeah, I mean... And- it-
2: Well, Megan pointed this out um, when we watched it earlier. Now that Vicky is no longer replacement Susan, she's kind of coming into her own. The different dynamic really helps with her.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, because she can build her own thing with the Doctor as opposed to just as... The,
4: Being not Susan, yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> um, and I mean, she even like she's redundant, like she points it out. But now she has to be like a bigger part of it. And with Steven, I think she finds it. But he, the doctor's absolutely affected when he, she's like, uh, Vicky's. I just, I sure miss them. And he just goes, who? Like he like, pre- he wants to pretend. He's just like <laughs> I don't want I don't want to talk about it, you guys.
2: I'm telling you he's having a crisis. Um
3: but he's so he's so much more welcoming. Like when he, fir- when, he when he first dealt with Ian and Barbara, he was angry. He was mad for week for episodes and episodes and episodes he was mad at them for being there. <laughs> um and then when when Steven walks in he's like very much like oh you're a funny guy like well, so he's like he's like <laughs> what's going on here he's like well, i loved the moment uh, it's such a great moment of comedy where he's like well that's the control panel that's a door and that's a chair with a panda on it <laughs>
2: <laughs> giving him the grand tour <laughs>
3: um but the, this is a doctor who has a sense of humor Um, he's much lighter and I think that that's such a big step for the the Hartnell doctor Mm -hmm. he was Um,
2: giggling at everything these episodes yeah everything
3: he's having fun Um, because I think (laughs) I think Ian and Barbara have humanized him in a way yeah
2: yeah yeah
3: um but so in this episode like they go on their own adventure they get like Steven immediately like disobeys the doctor's (laughs) first order which I guess is like a learning curve that you have to go on with the doctor
4: every new companion has to do it
3: Um, but we do set up some more TARDIS like rules at this point because they're like oh no the
2: TARDIS is gone
3: (laughs) Uh, the TARDIS
2: is fine it's just underwater like
3: Daleks couldn't blow it up you think the ocean is (laughs) gonna do something to it. <laughs> Woodrock, guys, is, come on. Wood
2: rot. <laughs> the ocean is far more dangerous Is it that dark? right, Ocean?
4: <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, thing. you did. Well, we've seen what happens when the Daleks go up against the ocean. That <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> was adorable. That was
3: the dumbest of Daleks. Um, but so they go out into the world, and like while the Doctor is... Dealing with the monk, they meet some village folk, some old English village folk, and they just they, they basically figure out it's ten sixty six, about mm-hmm. a thousand years, ago, just shy of a thousand years ago. Um, I guess, or I guess at the time, nine hundred years ago. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. exactly. Um, it, what did you guys think of the whole villagers and Vikings storyline in general?
4: I got will be honest. When they introduced the villagers, I got a very caveman vibe. Like I, yeah, yeah. I thought we were back in the second—you know—in the second episode, and I was like, "No, not again!" <laughs> <laughs> More caveman politics. Boom.
1: <laughs> they
4: were
2: necessary to set up what the time meddler was doing. But because of that, they were a set piece. They had no character. They were boring. It was we have these villagers. We have villager one, villager two, and woman. And we have these Vikings. We have
4: Viking one and Viking two. And you can yeah. tell them apart because their hair is different. Yeah, the <laughs> only, <laughs> that's it. The only one I was interested in is the one that sat and you know chit chatted with the doctor over tea. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that That's the only one I really cared about. Yeah, yeah they
3: they don't spend a lot of time setting them up as people they're they're, div- they're story devices. Yes, yeah,
4: exactly.
2: I mean
0: they don't even get names until the third episode. I mean, they were really they just a-
2: names. <laughs> Some of them, yeah.
4: Their name?
0: <laughs> well, like, for the longest time, the doctor would just be like, Woman, come. Um,
4: the but, 60s. Like, they were
0: a, a vehicle for the edutainment portion of it, where it was like, Here's yes. what has to happen. Here's your history lesson. Uh, and these people will be affected by it. There you go. Yeah, I
3: mean, they're very much so. They, this is an educational program at the end of the day and so they're like, this is a history lesson this is what happened uh, William the Conqueror comes, uh, King Harrod uh, or not Harrod, king. King, what, Harold, King, Harold what was it? it? was it, I don't was remember. it
0: Richard? look, Wheeler, we're,
3: we're Americans uh, <laughs> I
2: thought it was Richard
3: no, it was it was something with like an H that, who at the time had just become king um, and Henry
2: that, was' it a Henry No
3: it was
2: I got nothing
3: it was it was it was Harold it was King Harold. Harold it was King Harold had just taken over His at the beginning of the year that, <laughs> okay. that's well, I got how nothing. they establish what year it is um, and then William the Conqueror is going to come in and take over which fun fact. I am a direct descendant of William the Conqueror. Really? Oh. So I thought he was going to be on screen. I was like, oh my god, I'm so excited. And then he was nope. That was a little bit Sir,
2: not appearing in this serial. <laughs>
3: That's um,
4: really cool, though. Yeah.
3: A <laughs> little, uh, little fun fact about me. <laughs> I have semi-royal blood if you go way, 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 way back.
2: <laughs> so, uh, like, this much?
3: Well, Yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyway, back to the show. Um, but so th- that's their way of, like, telling the kids. Kid, hey, kids at home. Here's so you can say you learned while you're watching sci-fi. Yeah. <laughs> um, Can't but do it, that anymore. But it's absolutely necessary. And then it's about the changes is what it becomes. But I think it's very interesting that this is... We said it uh, again and again that if you took uh, like uh, most of the stories of this and condensed it into an hour, it would very much be the pace and the the excitement level that Modern Who has found. And that's just modern television versus older television. Yeah. Um, because I think this actually follows the same formula as and that's what going back and watching this stuff has really impressed is impressed me is because i i'll be honest like when you're going into a show 50 years old i expect it to be super cheesy and like at all times and like not very well shot and all that stuff and it's been better than i thought it was going to be um like it's still the 60s it's still limited shooting capabilities but it in this sense, it was very, it's very much the same in that, like, especially this season, se- season eight of Modern Who, they have, like, a little bit of, like, overarching story set up, and then they have a storyline that sets up, that, like, is just an adventure. And then they bookend it with a little bit more art Story, story. Yeah. yeah.
4: Like, here you go, there it is.
3: Um, and it's, so it's much, very much stayed the same throughout the years. I mean, do you guys feel that it's the same, different? What are you thinking?
4: I like the beats that are hit as kind of like the highlights of each individual twenty four minute episode. I, I like the beats in that that it makes in the overall story. But the flip side of that is the pacing is what always throws me off because mm-hmm. it's like I really like that beat, I like that beat, and then like the next two episodes is like I like that and I like that. But the fact that it's stretched out over so many episodes makes it really hard to sit down and marathon in the way that we've been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, for for people watching at the time who watched it week to week, I'm sure it, you know it, it's a very different viewing experience.
2: Well, and it was during tea time. You'd sit down with your family. You'd have your little afternoon whatever and you'd watch Doctor Who. It was a tradition. And then you'd go talk with your mates yeah. afterwards. Binge
4: watching. Well it didn't exist. <laughs> no, no. no it didn't. It was
3: uh, very difficult.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I and I even at the end of the first of uh, this episode, like when the gate comes down and the doctor is trapped, I was like, what's gonna happen? So if I had to wait week to week, I would be very excited. Um and but like, you know, yeah, we're talking about the, the binge watching and stuff like that. But like I feel like the, like, the overall storytelling is still really good. Like, it holds up way better than a lot of things that you could go back and watch. So, yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, and it's very much, like, that first episode is really solid in terms of, like, they're going out. And you're like, oh, what's going to happen? They're getting, like, who are they going to meet? What's going to happen? And then th- that moment where the gate comes down is a great cliffhanger. Yeah, The middle two episodes drag a little bit as you get deeper into the the villagers' storyline and the, their trust of the monk. But, like, you get little pieces of fun. Like, like the uh, the record was a really cool, oh, like, yeah. little twist. I mean, like, you, they tip it a little bit more than you would see in a modern television show like with the record skip and you're like oh it's a it's a record <laughs> we yeah. we know what we're about to find out that it's a recording but it's still cool. It was still a fun beat. Megan, you had a funny point. <laughs>
4: oh yeah. Um when I think it's the second episode in this where it's showing like all the monks stuff. I don't remember if it was the second episode or what, but at I some point they're they're panning, you know, across the scene and it's got them all the monks' stuff and at one point, um, toast pops out of the toaster and he catches them. And it's like what did he plug the toaster into? <laughs> yes, <that's> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> what, like, did he bring a little generator? What, what's up with that? In my
3: <laughs> mind, it's like how you know you have like the wireless chargers today, <laughs> like where you can just put your phone on like the little pad. The TARDIS has like a little
2: extension uh, cord, wireless electricity yeah. field. We're just gonna go with extension cord to the TARDIS, just run that cable. Maybe
4: that's how like they ended up finding the crypt. Is that there's just an extension cord going all the way back there, What's and then just orange fog- thing on the floor. oh let's follow it.
3: I mean, and I love the way that the Doctor handles everything with the Monk. Like when he finally like corners him, and he's like, "I know what you are. No more monkery from you." <laughs> Um, it's it's great and like the way he solves the problem like while the monk's getting like taken by the the Vikings while he's running out with what like basically nuclear like little warhead missiles yeah. he's mm-hmm. gonna fire at the Vikings
4: good cool. luck
2: charms bring them up to this inconspicuous gigantic gun that I said <laughs> it's like wow you, you mm, subtle too subtle
3: don't trust him Vikings God. <laughs> um. Uh, but yeah. So then, then, then when he t- like, he takes the de- the bigger on the inside away from. <laughs>
2: oh, so oh my good. gosh. How did he get out after he removed it?
0: Well, he uh strung it up and then ripped it out. Ah. Yeah, Doc So was he was thinker. outside before
2: <laughs> before <laughs> yeah. it was on. Line. Otherwise, that would have been bad. Right. I, didn't Guys, think I made this a mistake.
3: <laughs> my only question is if he's taken stuff out of the, tar- the of that TARDIS to like take into his own why not take whatever piece he needs to know where he's going
4: he <laughs> didn't have time for that man <laughs> he
0: had plenty of
3: time yeah,
4: I don't know. He's, he, he's enjoying his road trip
0: right and it's also it's, it's a different version uh, it's like trying to take uh. pieces from an electric car and put them in your gas guzzler
3: all right, that's, uh, b- I there mean that's still fair. Some pieces
4: that worked. Probably sh- not the ones that but, count. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's very possible that since uh the monks was a newer model, so to speak, that it wouldn't be backwards compatible. That's yeah. a problem with a yeah. lot of video game consoles. It's like yeah. I <laughs> want to play my own games. every video game
2: console and it's because they want you to buy a new one. I know. We're not
3: gonna get started on that. <laughs> <laughs> the tourists grow hours on later.
2: trees. <laughs> they're not compatible because they're living.
3: Um. Oh, no, that, it totally. Uh, the doctor's wife. You can build a TARDIS out of pieces of other TARDISes. So,
2: <laughs> well, th- there's a difference between an organ transplant and Frankenstein, all right? Yep. Yeah. Fair, yeah. Fair.
3: yeah, one works. The Frankenstein.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, but anyway, uh, do you guys have any other thoughts on uh, this
4: episode? No. I like the concept that, that, you know, he finally meets another time traveler and just the two different approaches, you know, that they take to, you know, their travels. It's, it is very interesting to see somebody like the doctor who takes a completely different approach to things, who is, actively meddling in things and and enjoying himself even though he's clearly doing bad things so it was a very interesting character and I, I like the idea behind that I thought it was a lot of fun
0: yeah um, and this is the first time you get neutralizing doctor like he the like tenant is all about like I know I can't kill you because it's not in my code but I can definitely take you out of commission and that's what this doctor was all about. I'll
4: Come back someday, maybe not really. <laughs> maybe never. Nice I'll
0: note, go but- pick up Susan first, and then I'll get you.
2: Yes, on the tenth of never, I'll maybe come back, and you'll have learned your lesson.
3: But I, but just because of obviously we this is we're watching this from the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 the monk, future. the meddling monk. Does return. He is does a recurring he? character, a recurring what? villain, for, for, uh, force for the Doctor. Oh,
4: nice. I am so excited now. So I, I expect visit Susan.
3: <laughs> I expect at some point this panel will see the Monk again. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs>
4: um, okay, I'm but, I'm am j- more okay with that ending now. <laughs> but yeah, so
3: I think that's gonna do it for this episode of Doctor Who Classics here at AfterBuzz TV. Thank you guys for doing it, and uh, if you get a chance, jump on to iTunes, hit us with a review. It really means a lot to us, to the network, to the ch- like to everything about it. Um, I know that a lot of some of you guys if, you're, uh, if you didn't catch this week's Doctor Who panel, you got your fancy shout outs on the main show uh, from Matt Lieberman. Uh, so if you want to, if you haven't watched it yet, go watch that. Yeah. Um, but thank you guys so much for tuning in to, to, uh, for tuning in. Tari Miller, where can the people find you?
0: You can find me on Twitter at Tari J. That's T A U R I J A Y. You can find me on the Flash panel on Tuesdays, the Sword Art Online panel on Sundays, and the Legend of Korra panel. <laughs> (laughs) on Sundays as well.
4: I'm Megan. You can follow me on Twitter at TheMenguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I'm on a bunch of shows here at After Buzz. I'm Katie Cullen. You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr
2: at KIAXET. That's K-I-A-X-E-T. I'm also on Z Nation on Sundays and Arrow after this. Wednesdays.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And I almost forgot to tease you guys. Next week, we're going to be talking about The Tenth Planet. Not available on Hulu, unfortunately. This is just an episode that I so badly wanted to talk about because it is the first, it's the first appearance of the Cybermen and the first appearance, the first regeneration episode ever. Oh my
1: gosh! So we
3: are going to be uh, dissecting this one, uh, with a, the fourth episode reconstructed by an animation committee at the BBC really exciting yeah. so thank you guys for you guys follow me on Twitter and Instagram if you have any questions about the whole thing if you want to talk about the other stuff at that Zach Wilson and also a bunch of shows here at After Buzz uh, this is, I'm Zach Wilson and thanks for geeking out with us
1: from executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek and the entire After Buzz TV staff we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network to watch or listen to other aftershows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.